Welcome everyone. My name is Szymon Zaremba and I am an international and e-law specialist in the Polish Institute for International Affairs. Today I would like to discuss the legal aspects of the recent changes in the status of one of the most controversial European infrastructure projects at present, namely the Opal gas pipeline, one of the extensions of the Nord Stream gas pipeline. I will start by providing you with some basic data regarding the pipeline itself. Then I will present a brief history of the case up to now, and after that I will address a few issues of the present legal situation of the pipeline, focusing mostly on the most recent decision of the European Commission. First, let me give you an idea of what the Opal pipeline is. Opal was built between 2009 and 2011 under the initiative of the Russian company Gazprom and German companies Basf and Ion. Currently it is co-owned by Viga Transport Beteiligungs, a joint venture of Gazprom and Basf, which holds 80% of the shares, and Uniper, a company which spun off from Eon in 2016, which holds the remaining 20% of the shares. Vigas share is operated by Opal Gas Transport, a company which also indirectly belongs to Gazprom and BASF, and Uniper's share is operated by an affiliate of Uniper, Lubin brand of gas transport. The pipeline starts in Greifswald on the Baltic coast, where it joins the Nord Stream pipeline, which transports Russian natural gas exported by Gazprom from Russia directly to Germany. It runs downwards along the German-Polish border, all the way to Brandov, a town in the Czech Republic, where it connects with the Gazelle pipeline. Its full capacity is around 36.5 billion cubic meters per year, which amounts to about two-thirds of the capacity of Nord Stream. Of this, up to 32 billion a year may flow directly from Greifswald to the exit point in Brandov, and up to 4.5 billion cubic meters may exit the pipeline from an exit point in Großkuris, south of Berlin, in Germany. Now, let me give you an overview of the legal developments regarding Opel. In 2009, before construction of the pipeline began, German energy market regulator Bundesnetzagentur, Binetza, fully exempted the transmission of gas through Opel to the Czech Republic from rigorous obligations set out in the EU gas directive for 22 years. The exemption covered the provisions on unbundling of transmission systems and operators, on the application of regulated tariffs, and on the non-discriminatory access to the pipeline by all third parties, the so-called TPA rule. The European Commission was notified of the Binetza decision in accordance with respective provisions of the EU gas directive. After its review, the Commission ordered Binetza to modify the decision by limiting the possible use of the Opal pipeline by the companies with a dominant market position in the Czech market for natural gas, one of them being Gazprom, to 50%. 
the remaining 50% could be used by Gazprom, however, only if it sold 3 billion cubic meters of gas transported by the pipeline by auctions under certain pro-competitive conditions through a so-called gas release program. Binetsa complied with the Commission's request. However, the restrictions were met with disapproval by Gazprom, which took swift steps to have the imposed limit repealed. At the turn of 2013 and 2014, Gazprom and Binetsa reached an agreement which would effectively allow Gazprom to use 100% of Opal's capacity if there was no demand by the third parties. The Commission was asked to formally approve the agreement, but a rapid deterioration of EU-Russian relations after Russian aggression towards Ukraine in spring 2014 resulted in Gazprom's efforts ending in vain. Nevertheless, a second attempt, made by Gazprom in 2016, was successful. This time, an exemption granted by the Binetsa was approved by the Commission, although with some modifications. The decision issued by the Commission in October 2016, still in force, exempts half of the transmission of gas through Opal to the Czech Republic from the access of third parties. The other half of the Opal's capacity is divided into two parts, both subject to regulated tariffs. The first part covers up to 20% of the remaining capacity, and the second one covers the rest. The former is available exclusively through the auctions at Gaspol, a German trading hub, with Gazprom only able to bid at the base price. The decision sets the amount of capacity offered under these conditions at 10%, with the possibility of raising it up to 20% in case of higher third-party demand. The remaining part may be bought at auction without any limits imposed on potential customers. The 2016 decision was met with disappointment in several countries in Central and Eastern Europe, which argued that it would undermine the security of supply and adversely affect the competition in the region. In the beginning of December 2016, a German subsidiary of the Polish gas company PGNIG lodged an application against the decision of the Commission in the Court of Justice of the EU seeking its annulment. It also applied for interim measures, seeking a stay of execution of the decision before the final judgment is issued. The Court of Justice provisionally accepted the latter request. In 2017, three more cases were brought before the court against the decision in question. In January, by the Polish government, and in March, by the PGNIG itself and the state-owned Ukrainian company Naftogaz. Interestingly, Germany decided to intervene in all the cases in support of the Commission, while Lithuania intervened in the case brought by Poland to support the Polish position. Nevertheless, in July 2017, the Court of Justice lifted the suspending measures, claiming there was no evidence of serious harm to the applicants until the final ruling. Since then, the 2016 decision has become enforceable once again, and it still is. Let us now move to the assessment of the consequences of the change in the status of the pipeline. The amendments introduced in 2016 to the original exemption decision resulted in an unprecedented increase of the utilization of Opal. In the beginning of August 2017, Gazprom's officials announced that the pipeline was running at its full nominal capacity 
and the publicly available data for the Greifswald entry point confirms that this is still the case. Since currently there is no technical possibility to feed the pipeline in Greifswald with the natural gas from any other source than the Nord Stream pipeline, one can safely assume that the gas which currently runs through Opal is exclusively Russian gas exported by Gazprom. But how is it possible, one can ask, if the European Commission explicitly restricted Gazprom's use of up to 20% of Opal's capacity? As already noted, the limit imposed essentially consists of a requirement that Gazprom will be able to bid for the said amount of capacity only at the base price. The underlying assumption is that if any competitors wish to use this part, Gazprom will not be able to outbid them. However, the problem is, no competition exists. As a consequence, Gazprom is free to use the, this part. The situation just observed allows us to conclude that the 2016 decision did not take properly into account the fact that nobody else but Gazprom was ever seriously interested in using Opal's capacity from Greifswald to Brandov. Previous auctions at the entry point in Greifswald in 2015 and 2016 showed that the interest of other companies was very marginal. This prompted Gazprom, the Russian government and a number of analysts at the time to argue that in light of the underutilization of the pipeline, the results of the auctions made uh, the 2009 EC decision look increasingly illogical. Still, these comments overlook the fact that in order to benefit from an exemption under the EU gas directive, a pipeline must enhance competition in gas supply. The long-standing lack of interest of other companies in the capacity offered at the entry point in Greifswald clearly demonstrates that the Opal pipeline did not fulfill the requirement in question from the beginning. Consequently, Opal should not have been exempted from the EU rules in the first place, and the provisions of the directive re re relating to the regulated tariffs or the TPA rule should have been applied to it in full. But even if the Commission made an error in its original assessment, it should have refused to amend the decision when asked to do so. One should also not lose sight of the fact that the past underutilization of the Opal pipeline was partly due to Gazprom's own fault. As I already stated, the 2009 decision allowed it to use the full capacity under the condition that it would implement the gas release program. Although Gazprom engaged in negotiations with German Binetza to discuss the details of the scheme, in the end it decided not to participate in it and the program was not implemented. Instead, it chose to challenge the indesirable decision with a view to have the restriction lifted. Apparently, this proved to be successful, but the outcome leads us to question the effectiveness of the EU regulatory framework. Lifting a measure designed to achieve beneficial market effects under the pressure of opposition by the regulated entity seems to be a controversial and questionable regulatory choice at best. 
With regard to the effect on competition of the exemption granted by the Commission, uh, the decision in question also raises some further doubts. Uh, the increase of capacity available to Gazprom may perpetuate the latter's dominant position in the upstream wholesale supply market in the Czech Republic, the gas import and production market, particularly if gas consumption rises. It may also enable Gazprom's affiliates, Vemex and jointly controlled Wingas, to raise their sales of bulk gas volumes to other wholesalers, suppliers or retailers, increasing Gazprom's share in the Czech downstream market. The increase of the share in the downstream market by Gazprom subsidiaries would normally seem beneficial due to the dominant position in this market of the local RWE Transgas company. However, the resulting synergies may strengthen Gazprom's bargaining position with respect to the wholesalers other than its own subsidiaries to the detriment of the consumers. In the case of a company well known for its anti-competitive practices towards Central and Eastern Europe, as evidenced by a long-running EU Commission antitrust case, it is a matter of serious concern. It also has to be observed that an increased availability of Russian gas in the Czech market will greatly diminish the incentives for increasing the security of supply in the Czech Republic through the diversification of sources of supply. For instance, Czech wholesalers may be less eager to import the Norwegian gas brought into the EU through the Northern Gateway, a pipeline system currently under construction and planned to extend from the Norwegian gas fields through Denmark, Poland and southwards down to Croatia. Although possibly more profitable from a purely economic point of view, this approach may impair Czech ability to withstand possible disruptions of the supply of Russian gas, either intended or unintended by Gazprom. Another contentious point of the Commission's decision is the superficial assessment of the level of risk attached to the construction of the Opal pipeline. According to the EU Gas Directive, in order for the pipeline to be granted an exemption, the risk must be such that the investment would not take place unless an exemption is granted. The Commission argued that the investment risk in Opel was considerable due to risks related to Nord Stream at the time of its construction and other risks relating from the economic and financial crisis. Such a statement leaves room for many questions. Calling Nord Stream a risk in Davos seems somewhat exaggerated if one recalls that as early as in 2006, Nord Stream was designated by the EU as a project of common interest and of European interest. This meant that it was one of the most prioritized cross-border infrastructural projects at the time, was granted special treatment during the permitting processes in EU member states, and was given many EU co-financing opportunities. We must also remember that the idea for constructing the Nord Stream pipeline was greatly supported by German industry and gas companies, so there was no risk of a lack of potential customers for the gas transmitted through the pipeline. But even if one accepts the argumentation put forward by the Commission in 2009, none of the arguments holds true at present. Nord Stream is running without obstruction, and since 2013, 
the economic performance of the EU has been steadily rising. If the Commission and the investors consider the previous exemption decision as sufficient for the Opel project to be carried out successfully in 2009, there is no reasonable explanation why the decision was changed to a more favorable one in 2016. If the restrictions imposed on Gazprom in the 2009 decision and the ensuing underutilization of the Opel capacity were unbearable in 2016, there was no reason why the exemption could not simply be annulled upon an agreement between the interested companies and regulatory organs. That would however, mean that the pipeline would have to be operated fully in accordance with the EU gas law, without exception. Also, one can note a certain methodological deficiency in the Commission's reasoning. While granting the new exemption, which in fact overall the previous one, the Commission evaluated the conditions listed in the EU gas directive in two different ways. In case of some of them, like the effects on competition, it took into account both the present circumstances and the changes which occurred in comparison with the past situation. In case of the others, however, such as the investment risks, it took into consideration only the situation in the past and disregarded later changes. This inconsistent approach begs for an explanation. To conclude, the changes in the legal regime of the Olpal pipeline introduced in 2016 have greatly affected the way this pipeline is utilized compared with its past usage. Whether some deficiencies of the Commission's decision underlined in the assessment just presented provide sufficient grounds for the annulment of this Act or not remains to be seen. The EU Court of Justice has already suggested that the case lodged at, uh, and supported by um, some Central and Eastern European countries and companies will be decided by 2019. Finally, uh, thanks for the FSR for the invitation to say a few words on the topic, and most of all, thank you for your attention.